John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. have accessed entry 1194.1C0612, certificate number 29113, Sovereign Citizens. This courtroom is trying to process me as state property. See this fictitious name statement? Asher Edwards spelled in all capital letters? This is not my name. This name was issued to me without my consent, and you cannot legally process me through this courtroom with this uh, without this name in all capital letters that was issued without my consent. I have not read anyone on the internet suggest that you are Q. And I think that's a big oversight. You have a lot of, I mean, you served in the Trump administration. You, um, I did. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest, Ken. <clears throat> Nobody thinks I'm JFK Jr. either. That's what really hurts. Yeah, that does. I look a little more Ouch. like JFK Jr. than that than that weird guy with the beard. But I I think almost certainly there are omnibus listeners because we're a very popular podcast that's popular around the world and across America. We're just as popular in red states as blue throughout all time. Um, that uh, there are almost certainly people listening to the show that are. Uh, Followers of the QAnon conspiracy theory, and I—I I just want to say welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about a lot. Don't of, we have to say their catchphrases so they know we're on their side? Um, or what do they say? We are together, all for one, one the, for all. Ride the lightning. Ride the lightning. Release the kraken, and then <laughs> ride the lightning on your kraken. Yeah, there are some phrases. There are some slogans. Everybody likes a slogan, but I—I I, I really think that they haven't cast the Q net widely enough. It's clear I'm not Q. Why? Uh, you know, most of most of my fans are women in their 30s that have tattoos of rabbits and wear their hair kind of short in a jaunty way. Most of your fans are survivalists and people in their 70s. Look, both of our fans have blue hair. Both of our fans are women with blue hair. It's true. It's just for different reasons. <laughs> it's true. That's right. Uh, I don't. I I feel like um, within the within the overarching conspiracy theory community uh there there's too much of a fixation and a fascination with hollywood stars when i think it's really trivia show hosts that give the that i don't know give off you, the vibe of being in you service think, you think we have all the secret depravity yeah, of all of our alien masters that yeah. needs, needs to be uh 
needs to be unveiled. Yeah, I do. There's just not that many trivia show hosts. It would be a very small conspiracy. It gets like to if be you a want, larger number all the time, doesn't it? If you want to say all show business actors are lizard men pedophiles, I right. mean, there, there, there's hundreds of them right. to go after. There's just not a lot of game show hosts. But now that Buzzy Cohen is is in the the legion of game show hosts, I think it blows the doors open. Now that I'm not on the chase anymore, I can admit that everyone on the chase is actually in the service of the lizard man. Agreed. Uh, what is your confidence um, that we uh, that we are living in a world as it seems, as uh, opposed to a world that is governed? By by shadowy uh, forces, shadowy forces that mask their true intentions. It's like a near, nearly a hundred percent. Are you setting aside larger kind of metaphysical? The world is not what they seem. Questions like, you know, the possibility that we are living in some kind of metaverse. Sure. Okay. Or um or Xenu's simulation. Oh, you know, a computer simulation on on Xenu's Game Boy. Do you worry that you that this might that, that someone might red pill you and all of a sudden you realize you're living in a pod? No, I hope that's what happens. <laughs> no, I if you leave aside larger metaphysical concerns about just the nature of reality. Right. If you mean for example, life on earth is or, is or life what in you the see as green the same as what I see when I say green, Ken? I would say nearly a hundred percent confidence that that the well understood Wikipedia version of reality is in fact correct. So I also feel very confident that the world is as it seems for the most part. And every once in a while, some people in, enter into a conspiracy to price fix um, the pork bellies. It's or, always something banal and awful. Yeah. And usually you get, they get found out. The United Fruit Company is trying to overthrow some South American government. But for the most part, yeah, the, uh, any, any of the popular conspiracy theories would just be way too complicated for dumb, dumb humans to, to really pull off. Occam's razor, right? Right. We all know all the kinds of... Um, regular awful evil that are going on in the world today and it's all the people you expect doing all the same exact awful things to protect their position and privilege and that's pretty much that explains everything i think yeah right uh but i think that there's not a cool one which is a bummer you want to have a cool one a cool conspiracy yes yeah like a cool kid one just a, a more interesting theory i think it's understated i mean it's often said that conspiracy theorists just want order and explanation in a random world. But I think it's underappreciated how much they also want something that's just more interesting than what they get uh, at their job or on their phones. Well, I think that, uh, that clearly the majority of people um, do not believe in conspiracy theories, but a significant minority do, and it crosses the political aisle. Seems to be on the rise. On the rise. People, um, people of all stripes are looking for explanations for why the world is unfair. When you say it crosses the political aisle, really only one of the two major parties is nominating its conspiracy theorists to the House and Senate. That's absolutely right. So let's yeah, not pretend it's a purely bipartisan scenario. It's not a bipartisan scenario in the, um, in the upper uh, realms of the two political parties. That's true. But there are some guy you're sitting next to in a bar might be equally likely to believe something crazy, whether he voted for 
uh, Obama, Trump, or Lyndon LaRouche. There are a lot of people in the blue states that believe that the system is rigged, that it's controlled either by the banks or by shadowy forces of um, funded by by conservative billionaires who make the you know the cops are all cons- part of a global white supremacist you know cabal. Russian bots. Uh huh. Russian was, bots. That was the that was a lot of of, of good. Uh, right-thinking liberals were convinced that um, you know massive Russian operations were overthrowing the U.S. government, and now that really hasn't aged that well because we can see that Russia can't even overthrow the Ukrainian government. <laughs> yeah, Russia seems to be really good right now at overthrowing their own government. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's what the bot farms are doing. But there is a tendency, increasingly, I think we see for people to search for uh, supra reality explanations for why and it's an extremist like you thought on the left when the questions were how could trump have won you see it on the right now that it's the questions of how did they overthrow our beloved president yeah and it often involves china it often involves uh the clintons um you know it, it involves jeffrey epstein now you know there's there's um there's no limit to uh conspiracies if you if you want to shop around the royal family british royal family that's why Belize and Barbados are dumping them. Hmm. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Be- Belize is out because the royal family is uh, has the, weirdos. The in royal it? family faked the moon landing. <laughs> oh, of course they did. I always, I always wonder about the moon landing, like what Princess Margaret had to do with it. Well, and what the profit motive was. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a, uh, I think, in the United States. But but it may surprise you to to learn um, that it is increasingly a global phenomenon. Hmm. Um, are we exporting it? Uh, well, you know, actually there's some evidence that it started in Canada. Yeah. Uh, but then America took it and ran with it, of course, just like the, just like Neil Young and second city TV or whatever. Um, but, uh, and, and so now we are exporting it, our, our, our cranky versions of it, but there's a, there's a, a movement that is kind of undergirds a lot of conservative conspiracy thinking. It's, um, it's maybe, uh, it at its most distilled, the idea that the federal government is illegitimate and that, um, the states have not, not only, um, rights that exclude the federal government, but that the, that, at a certain point along the way, somewhere in the history of the United States, uh, what we think of as the federal government is actually a um, an extensive charade or charade. Depending and, on whether it's Can- Canadians coming uh-huh. up with this theory. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that, that, that there is no longer a, uh, a valid federal government and – because of that, the rights that we that we might ascribe to the federal government are are, are no longer leg- legitimately held by that entity, and so they revert to us as individual people. And that would and be convenient. That would be nice if you if you happen to believe if you have reason to believe that the government is inconveniencing you in any way. And and a lot of that, um, a lot of the the belief system of this cadre 
Uh, and, and of course, those ideas that the federal government is no longer legitimate and that it is in service of a, a global enterprise rather than actually representing the people of the United States, it's kind of retconned itself um, and, and found evidence, you know, throughout American history. I feel like I used to have to explain retcon to you, and now you can just use it so, so ably in a sentence. I'm so proud. Well, you know, we, we met a long time ago. I spent a, I spent a lot of time in the, uh, in the global nerd sphere, but, but you should feel proud because you did. I think you were the first to explain retconning. It's so I was useful. like, you say what now? Retcon? Ah. Look how, it, look how it comes in handy here in geopolitics and sociology. Not, not just to explain whether or not Superman's wearing the red underwear anymore. But what's interesting is, you know, it's a grab bag of, of beliefs, and not everybody has to believe that lizard people are, are living underneath a pizza parlor uh, to believe that the laws of the land are mutable. That's the beauty of the sovereign citizen thing is that you're very into the result, and you're willing to work backwards to whatever degree plausible for you to get that result, which is the government don't have no hold on. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and we have to be careful, I think, when thinking about these, um, these conspiracies uh, as being the province of people that are less educated and, you know, and financially more on the on the um, disadvantage at a, at a disadvantage, and also thinking of them as predominantly southern and white, because they're they have appeal that's that's patchwork, but kind of global, and it appeals to a lot of a lot of people you wouldn't expect. But I think generally it starts with being at odds with the government. Right, it would have to. Right, you're, if you're if the government seems to be serving you, you're not going to turn against it for no reason. Right, you're not going to say those darn police keep patrolling my neighborhood and making me feel safe. Or uh, I paid a fair amount of taxes this year. In fact, very small compared to my income. Right, this or, is going great. Or any other nation of the world. Right, um, and it and so the sovereign citizen movement. What we see start to take on its um, take on its present form as a result of I mean it, it always it always has a, a a big explosion in membership and in in devotees uh, related to economic crises related to situations where people end up on the wrong side of debt. Uh, on the raw, you know, their their mortgage is upside, upside down. down, or the medical debt. It was, uh, it was really connected to the 1980s farm foreclosure era, um, and has showed a, a it's the beginnings of its of its modern resurgence in the 2007 eight mortgage Great crisis, um, and of course COVID has given it a lot of. Fuel. It's really poured gas on the fire uh, because the idea of government overreach and and uh, government so, suddenly things I want to do and things I'm allowed to do uh, are restricted. Have, have less overlap than right. usual by these entities that don't have uh, that don't have authority to do it. And when you when you believe that, then you look for reasons why that's true. 
It's not just that the federal government has the authority to do it, except when I don't like it. You want it to be true across the board. And everyone does this. Everyone has their own intuitions about what is right for them, and then they look for reasons. It's not the other way around. Nobody's a blank slate um, researching historical theory until they find the uh, the most uh, explanatory and minimalist one, and then they say, well, that's my philosophy. Yeah, and and that's true definitely of the sovereign citizen movement. Uh, it It's not a thing that organically comes out of uh, constitution scholarship where people go, wait a minute, I never thought of that. You know, is, is any of it defensible at any academic or historical level? Well, let's, uh, let's dive into that, shall we? Um, the, the movement really starts with a man by the name of Henry Lamont Beach. And we're going to see that every major character in this story has a serial killer name. Or, or like 19th century Congregationalist minister? <laughs> yeah. What, Hen- is, what is Henry Beecher, what's his name? Henry Lamont Beach Henry is... Lamont Beach, what's, what's his era? Uh, in, in 1969, he kind of, he was a, f- uh, a fellow, th- this may surprise you, but during the, during the uh, mid-century, during the World War II era, there was an active American Nazi movement uh, that was sympathetic to the Nazis. This is kind of pre-World War II. They fell out of fashion during the war for obvious reasons. But after the war, the kind of the the sort of lost and lonely... Uh, Ex-Bund? Yeah, the, the, the lorn, lonely Nazis... You got a feel for them. Uh, ...had to kind of figure out what to do, and they regrouped and became part of this... You know, and, and and I don't mean to to uh, dismiss the whole conservative movement of the '60s by by sort of appelling them to Nazism, but um, but the you know the those uh, white nationalist movements kind of percolated under the scene throughout the '60s, and uh, so Henry Lamont Beach kind of started the original. The conflation of white supremacy and sovereign citizenship by positing that with the passage of the 14th Amendment, freeing the slaves, Mm -hmm. there was a new kind of citizenship that was granted to freed slaves. That, you know, and that this is the citizenship granted by the 14th Amendment. It's, and it's, it's secondary to what U.S. citizens prior to the 1860s would have enjoyed? Exactly. Okay. There was a kind of native citizenship. I see. That he has. That he has. <laughs> and that, that people in the United States pre-14th Amendment, you know, intrinsically had. And the 14th Amendment established citizenship for blacks— that was, in his estimation, a, a different category of citizenship. And this was taken up by, uh, you know, like Henry Lamont Beach didn't gather to himself a, a ton of followers, but a man by the name of William Potter Gale uh, in, you know, sort of in the same era took those ideas, and William Potter Gale is a is a, a very curious creature because his father was Jewish and from a long line of, of Orthodox Jews. And they escaped from Europe. They escaped from the pogroms wow. pre-World War or, you know, pre-World War One, right. really, um, and came to the United States 
you know, to escape anti-Semitism. Their name was Grobifker in Europe, and and his father changed the name to Gale. And that's an all-timer for Ellis Island contraction, by the way. <laughs> Just all the consonants are now gone, and there's an L. Instead. We're gonna we're gonna leave an E at the end. Um, and w- William Potter Gale enlisted in the army in World War II. He listed his religion as Hebrew, um, and he became a lieutenant colonel. He served under MacArthur. This is an all-time jazz singer type disappointment. When you're, uh, if, if you're a rabbi and your kid becomes not just a Al Jolson style entertainer, but a uh, white supremacist conspiracy thinker, right? A white supremacist who uh, who goes on to found some of the um, some of the major kind of white nationalist groups in the United States, starting with Posse Comitatus, mm. which was um, which, which in Latin means um, the county is the so in order for the state to be illegitimate, there had to be a, there had to be a, like a a reason. The Fourteenth Amendment established a different kind of citizenship in their minds, but there had to be um, a reason why their own citizenship, native citizenship, had been so thoroughly disempowered. I mean, how could there be? Um, how could the two citizenships be? equalized if one was clearly real and the other was clearly imposed. Is that what they're trying to get to? That yeah. The, that the thing that has cheapened U.S. citizenship is that it's been applied to people other than white males like themselves? Yes. Okay. And and then by, um, you know, but through retroaction, native citizenship also, whatever, the, you know, the, the idea of, of true citizenship was also uh, changed, cheapened. And by uh, by a kind of misreading and a garbled reading of history and law, mm-hmm. they cobbled together a, a, a philosophy, a, a political understanding of American citizenship that um, that is predicated on the idea that when a child is born in the United States, they're, uh, they are actually an, uh, an instrument of collateral that is leveraged on, the, on a global financial marketplace to, um, to, as collateral for U.S. foreign debt. And this is all related back to our, one of our favorite topics, the elimination of the gold standard by FDR in 1933. Wait, so lacking lacking the gold standard, these people now believe that American babies are some kind of security or fiat currency or something? Yes, because because it, because American money is no longer real because it's no longer backed by gold. Mm-hmm. The future earning potential of an American child is used as collateral against our debts foreign and domestic. And they think this is actually just some unspoken assumption of how the world markets work, or do they think there's some secret market in which actual um, populations are traded? This is a secret market. Ah, I see. And the evidence for it is that when a child is born, their name is written on their birth certificate in all capital letters. Not wrong. Those all capital letters combined with the issuance of a social security number when you're born 
creates an entity which is separate from you in actual reality. The all capital letters child on the birth certificate is a, is a, what they describe as a straw man, which is you, your identity as a tradable commodity. This is weirdly philosophical, uh, more philosophical than I would have expected their worldview to be. It's um, it's kind of an epistemological view of a of identity and birth certificates. It's very it's very unusual, and you know, and this is it's hard to look at the kind of sort of states' rights, sovereign people driving around with license plates that they made themselves on a color copier, and and see that the the foundations of this argument are typography on a birth certificate. <laughs> well, and. And related to a uh, to an idea of, I mean, it's almost it, oh, it predates the Matrix as an idea that you are you're a cog. A, uh, yeah, they're extracting value and energy from you, and you're not even aware of it. Shadowy trader somewhere. Do it's their idea that they're picking you by name. They're going through birth certificates and being like, "No, this is true. Hmm. Of, this is true of all America or all all people born in America that are you know given a birth certificate and a social security number." But they're not being traded individually. These are like uh, 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 trenches of, of population. Well, what's interesting is that the that the treasury, the federal government, creates at your birth an account associated with you. Is this true? Probably in a computer somewhere. Which, well, but this is an actual bank account, which they oh. put cash into. Oh, I'd love that. A large amount of whatever, I guess, you know, fake American money uh, goes into this account and this represents the, this is, you know, against your future earnings. This cash, uh, it, you know, it is deposited in your straw man identity. And then, all transactions that happened, all government transactions, driver's licenses, um, marriage licenses, fishing licenses, are all granted to your fake persona, your, your straw man. I see. And that you actually have the, the right and ability to exercise your individuation your to separate yourself from your straw man identity all the inconvenient things about government are only applying to that treasury account exactly and if you cease to identify with that then the man can't put you down and this is a this is all a result of um of a, a kind of not loophole a, a schism in the law where American law as enshrined by the constitution and misinterpreted or, you know, or garbled by the, the legally, the, the half understood perusal of legal documents, that law was founded in English common law, but that in 1871, when the, um, district of Columbia organic act was passed, what? which described the United States as a corporation. And they weren't... What is the 1871 District of Columbia Organic Act to the rest of us who do not believe in this theory? Uh, it is an is act it that boring... establishes the District of Columbia... Oh, I see. ...in a certain, you know, as a... As a... Washington's not a city, now there's a new territory. Exactly. There. Okay. Um, 
They used in this act the word corporation simply to mean an incorporation of, you know, of yeah. the city. Um, but it's, uh, it's been taken in, in a different context to mean that at the, at the incorporation of Washington, D.C., the United States became an economic corporation. In a business sense. In a business sense. And so common law then, according to this formulation, was replaced with admiralty law. What? Which is, this is like British naval law? Yeah, but it's British naval law that, that uh, you know, that's used to regulate commerce on the seas. Well, I think this should actually apply. And admiralty courts. I think maritime law should have precedent. Are separate courts. And you're, you're absolutely right. Merit, we should be governed by maritime law. Unfortunately, we're not. I'd get a free serving of grog every day. My enemies might be flogged occasionally. I think there's no downside. John, you use Squarespace for your uh, for your website, right? I do. JohnRoderick.com is a Squarespace uh, uh, website, a Squarespace joint, and uh, you know I am not your your super good computer. You're famously jockey. skeptical of yeah. people who are good at computer engineering and design and development. So I was scared about putting up my own website, but uh, Squarespace was super intuitive and easy to use, and I, uh, I got it up. You know, I used a template, but I modded it to be cool, and and uh, I've never never looked back. It's much more than just a website uh, design template. Like, if you're making stuff and selling stuff, like, there's a Squarespace Video Studio app where you can make and share uh, videos to help you grow your audience and increase sales. Well, what's great is that it makes it easy for you to monetize your content, too, in a way that kind of fits with your brand. You can unlock new revenue streams for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content, like videos, online courses, or newsletters. Yeah, it comes with just members-only areas all ready to go. And if memberships don't fit what you do, you could just sell your products a la carte. Um, Squarespace comes with uh, ready-to-go e-tail solutions for anything you sell, whether it's physical or digital. They'll get you started so quickly. So head to squarespace.com slash omnibus for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code omnibus to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. But what this means is that U.S. government um, officials and judges and uh, really like anyone above the sort of county level is actually in service of a foreign power because the U.S. The, government this is— This weird corporation from 1871 on, which is not— The actual the, the, United States. I see. So they want to—I see. So the current government is not the successor state to the— what the founders founded. Right, right. There's this theory. There's this—, uh, there's this you know, this imposed government and, you know, and, and that was, that, that was cagey of them to put all this in a little act, um, changing the city status of the district of Columbia. Yeah. And there you can find, you know, and what, what this requires is that they ignore, um, probably a ton of court precedent. Well, not just a, not just court precedent, but you know, they ignore the, uh, article six of the constitution. Um, but it, it's, it's all based on a kind of, partial reading, a convenient reading of, of laws based on a, an, an edition of Black's Law Dictionary that is, um, that 
was obsolete 25 years ago, but you know, it's a, it's a sort of a pick and choose. It's a, it's a goulash. But what it means is that you are, um, you're no longer responsible to pay taxes. Sure. You, you're, it's a different country. Your, your debt is absolved because it's all, it's all, uh, attached to this this fake self if you declare yourself sovereign and independent of this whole and it, and there are a couple of different terms for it it's it's called uh, asservation or expatriation you can by submitting forms I to see. the government so this is, doesn't happen to everyone automatically you'd have to no. you have to go through a process to become a non Fake U.S. citizen. Yes, you can declare it, and that requires that weirdly that you submit paperwork to the to these the, courts to, to the fake government. Um, but the but this paperwork, if it's worded properly, mm-hmm. and a lot of the the theory is based in a kind of it's not exactly numerological, but it is it's based in an um, a belief that the grammar and punctuation of legal documents is. The, uh, they are signifiers of mm. this separate truth. They're secret messages if you put two spaces after a period or exactly something? Exactly that. You, um, the fact that these documents are all caps means that the United States of America in capital letters and the United States of America where just the U, the S, and the A are capitalized are different entities. Hold on. I just want to make sure I get this right. Which one's the good one? The Well, so this is complicated because they do use all caps as a way of communicating. I've seen them communicate in all caps many yeah. times on the internet. <laughs> but, but in fact, the US, United States of America in all caps and the United States of America where it's, it's normally Initial capitalized. Caps. Uh, title, I title capitalization. think that which one is the real one? Well, there are like four or five different ones. There's the United States of America in not capitalized. There's also, and and I, I, I guess this is as good a time as any to talk about David Wynn Miller. Um, David Wynn Miller is a, was a tool and die welder that had at the age of 25, a, uh, a profound transformative experience where according to him, he was operated on both kidneys and his adrenal glands were removed and he died. Oh. And as they were I hate uh, when that happens. I know. And as they were doing an autopsy and they had his heart outside of his body, um, his heart restarted and apparently they immediately put it back in him and patched him up. And during this time he um he had a revelation. Mm. Now the the thing about David Wynn Miller is that everything he says suggests that he has that he is a schizophrenic that he has a you know a, a, a tremendous sort of delusional maybe bipolar one uh, mental illness mm-hmm. um, and you would not want to talk about him you wouldn't want to mock someone who was mentally ill it's just that his beliefs have become uh kind of a, like an undergirding gospel of, an, of, a, of this entire movement. So you don't want to mock him, but you don't want to accept him as a legal authority either. No, and what he did was, in 1988, develop an, a, um, a new grammar, as he described it, an understanding of language, and in fact, a new legal language that can be used to 
short circuit the actual language used in law. Mm. If you just... If you have the secret language. If you have the secret language, which he called correct, and this is all in caps, correct dash sentence dash dash structure dash communication dash parse dash syntax dash grammar. You can see why no one's ever come up with this before. (laughs) Or quantum language. And quantum language... Uh, has the uh, some of the, some of the following tenets: one, only okay. nouns have legal meaning. Interesting. And nouns have immutable legal, legal meaning. So a noun is not uh, you you cannot use a noun in two different senses, right? right? Like, like adjectives. Like corporation cannot just be incorporating a city and incorporating a business. Exactly. Uh, uh, adjectives don't don't change the meaning of nouns. Um, so nouns have legal meaning and. Legal sentence, sentences, in order for them to be legally binding, have to have 13 words. Exactly 13 words. 13 words. The number and, of colonies. And more nouns. That's right. More nouns than verbs. That's okay. And they must start with a prepositional phrase. How come all these guys with these ideas about, you know, um, specific ideas about good language all have the worst prose style when you read their manifestos? Well, w- when you read anything written in... Um, in correct sentence structure, communication, parse syntax grammar, or as it's, I think, shorthand known as quantum language, uh-huh. um, it is not readable. Not Hemingway-esque prose. It's not understandable. Um, but at least it has 13 words and nouns only mean themselves. Every sentence needs to start with a preposi- prepositional phrase. So they, a lot, they all start with for the or with the. It's like a New York Times headline. <laughs> and and curiously, uh, any word that starts with a noun followed by two consonants, what? like accept or a seed. A vowel followed by two consonants, I see. Uh, a, those words in documents voids all contracts. You can't mention any word which has a vowel followed by two consonants. Those are... You can't make any law to regulate an otter, for example. No. Or you can't yeah, you talk You wouldn't about put that in there. That an, is a noun. An and aspen it has, tree. It has both an immutable meaning and also negates all contracts. Almond, for example. The conspiracy, the sovereign citizens know that we're powerless against almonds. Oh, right. Absolutely. Well, you would never, or why um, would you need a law against almonds? Or umbrellas. Uh, David Wynn Miller, a lot of this began, it may not surprise you, with a bitter divorce. <laughs> And this often happens uh, that a d- that a that a contentious divorce leads to a discovery of a, a of a new language alternate legal system. According to David Wynn Miller, and it's very hard to take uh, anything he says at face value, but uh, but well, especially if it doesn't start with a prepositional phrase. He he uh, was in a child custody battle with his ex wife and filed sixty seven different child custody appeals. Appeared in court. As his own attorney. Judges hate him. Seven <laughs> times. Defeat family court with this weird trick. Um, and a lot of what became sovereign citizen doctrine involves this idea of using, uh, of using a kind of legalese or pseudo-legalese, uh, partly influenced by David Wynn Miller, to file what are called, you know, Nuisance. Nuisance lawsuits. I wonder if this happens more in divorce court or tax court. I bet it's a, 
I bet it's a close race. Right, it is, and 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 often the two are are yeah. uh, you know affect the same people. There, uh, most sovereign citizens appear appear as their as their own attorney in court filings. Um, a lot of them believe that blue and black ink are are only used by people within the. Um, you know the which one the fake government the fake government and so they what do they use they write a lot of documents in red ink mm. they will only sign documents with uh, their fingerprint often in blood because, because signatures have been signatures are tainted somehow by well the... signatures are 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 connected oh. to your social security number and your driver's license they are they are um, they are they're, they're Whatever their validity is negated. What's the timeline of these of these beliefs coalescing into a, a thing that is understood like an alternate legal strategy? Is this is this seventies uh, and eighties or is this more recently? No, it's in the seventies and eighties. So so William Potter Gale, having formed Posse Comitatus, uh, and Posse Comitatus believed that the sheriff of the county was the highest political office that was that was legitimate. Um, because the sheriff would be elected directly by the citizens of the county, and that sheriff would be law enforcement. So even state level stuff is um... well, because they're imposing taxes. They're they're um, you know they are making sort of sweeping. Uh, you know they they they're operating departments of motor vehicles and so forth, which they don't have the authority to do. But the sheriff, you know, you elect directly and then that sheriff in, enforces whatever your right to property. I mean, maybe this is stereotyping, but it does kind of accord with a view where the kind of person who gets elected sheriff might be their kind of guy. That's right. And conveniently. And so the posse comitatus in the um in the in the nineteen seventies tried first to take over Alpine County, California, which is a County uh, east of Stockton, California, okay. uh, and they, you know, they moved there and they ran their own candidate for sheriff with the idea, you know, and it's a, a, a fairly unpopulated but large county. They ran their own own sheriff candidate, and unfortunately, the the attempt to take over Alpine County failed. The incumbent sheriff was reelected, so they moved on. Uh, and at a, a a little while later, they tried the same trick in Tigerton, Wisconsin. Um, the idea was that, and this was a, this was a thing we saw during the kind of white nationalist period in the late eighties and nineties in the Northwest, the idea that they were going to create a, uh, a homeland, right? A white homeland that was governed by, by, you know, locally elected law enforcement, but, but with no, you know, with no no relationship really to the United States, but it was really only in the '90s that it kind of coalesced into a into like a a movement that started to distance itself from white nationalism. Um, that the Fourteenth Amendment citizenship started to become less of a, a governing idea. And it became much more the idea of this, the the secret identity, the split person, the dual. Um, if you can get out from under your your Treasury Department account, exactly. And a lot you're a free of man. 
a lot of sovereign citizens were, uh, they didn't even believe that the term sovereign citizen reflected them. And they think of themselves as, uh, and, and this is a, a strange, but that their status is seeking the truth. So they're not a citizen. They are uh, seeking the truth. They don't have a name. They're just a gerund now? It, it is. It is just a gerund. Uh and a lot of this came as a result of people searching for for ways to get out of debt. Yeah. And that's what the connection to, you know, to failed marriages, but also to mortgage crises. And tax uh, liens. And-, and so, and liens actually figure in, 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 in as, a, as a tool used by, by sovereign by, by citizens. By the deep state? No, by sovereign oh, citizens good. resisting the deep state. So... Um, the idea that your that your divided person that you were not responsible for debts incurred meant that that when you and and, and this is a this is at this point in the mid nineties it starts to become a movement of a movement that's promulgated by charlatans who are offering these solutions as kind of kits yeah kits that come with with um, boilerplate legalese that is that's if you file the right paper at the right point in time written precisely the right way often affixed with a like a postage stamp somewhere on it that that then somehow the postage stamp yeah you know takes it out of the realm of the of the local court that this document will actually sever this relationship that the courts will see it's written in secret hieroglyphics and they'll go, Oh, they've unlocked the code and they're hereby not only released from debt. And I mean, one of the, one of the very basic codes is just to, when you receive a bill to just write acceptance for value across the top of it. Never thought of that. It seems so now that you say it though, it seems so obvious. Well, what acceptance for value does is it, activates the secret account that was established by the deep state at your birth and the bills are paid from, from the secret balance. account. Uh, smart. You can't say it's not smart. It's pretty smart. Um, you can basically say in response to any sort of police order that you do not consent. Right. And by revoking your consent, you are, uh, again, establishing your sovereignty connected to your status as an original citizen, uh, a freeman on the land. I would have thought people would have discovered this in the age of the internet. You know, you've got a problem like bills you can't pay or something, and suddenly you find a list of very specific instructions new to you purporting to get you out of it. Of course, you're going to follow those steps. But I guess it it predates the web thanks to what we see on the far right now a lot, a network of grifters who are claiming to be believers but are actually just in on the con. If you look back um, in 1996, the Montana freemen were, this is part of that, that white nationalist movement, we're trying, kind of trying, to, um, trying to abdicate from the United States. Terry Nichols, who uh, bombed in Oklahoma City, was a... a uh, you know, was very influenced by this idea. 
well, it didn't go well for him at his trial. He, he must not have said the right things or used the right color of ink. But the ideas, um, it's, it, it may surprise you to, to learn that there are, uh, that there, the, 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 the current sovereign citizen movement is actually more diverse than just white people in the, in middle America. So it's reached kind of the fight the power wing of other populations. It has communities. It, it has, and it has um, it has deeper roots uh, dating back to the early part of the century. Uh, a man by the name of Timothy Drew, uh, who was a black man in the from the East Coast in 1913, had a similar kind of revelation that um that african americans were actually moors um they were descendants of the moroccan moorish kings mm-hmm. and were therefore governed by the the tenants of the moroccan american friendship treaty which was signed in 1786. All right, right. Morocco being one of the first foreign powers to recognize the new United States. Morocco, the first foreign power to recognize the United States. And this connection to the the Moors meant that African Americans were actually, um, well, in, in one sense, Native American citizens dating back to the the, you know, the founding of the yeah. country. And there was a kind of offshoot of it that believed that the um that the Moors actually were had had the status of Native Americans. Ah. Right, because that's a that's a population that does have its own kind of recognized sovereignty. So you would definitely want to piggyback off something like that. You'd get similar results. So Timothy Drew kind of um he saw Islam as the the you know the native religion of African Americans because of their Moorish roots. Mm-hmm. He discovered a Quran that was kind of a kind of a mishmash of some Quranic verses some other books that he seems to have found in a bus station and his own revelation, uh, which is known as the circle seven Quran. And he founded the Moorish science temple. Doesn't this predate, uh, Elijah Muhammad or other kinds of, of, uh, black Islamic movements. It does, uh, by, by a couple of decades, uh-huh. he moved the Moorish science temple, he, the headquarters of it to Chicago in 1925. And it actually became a political force in Chicago. Um, at at one point having 30,000 members. Black Chicagoans were converting to Islam, or at least this version thereof. And actually, Nation of Islam is a descendant of the Moorish Science Temple. Mm. Wallace Ford Muhammad in 1930 separated from the Moorish Temple and formed Nation of Islam. Um, and as an extension of the Moorish science community... The the idea that African Americans were actually Native Americans, um, an offshoot of that formed as the Washita Nation, 
which was based around New Orleans. And it was an idea, it was kind of connected to a is Creole there, identity. Is there a, there is no Washita indigenous people? Or? There are. Oh, okay. But the Washita nation is unconnected to them. And a lot of the basis of the Washita nation idea was that when Napoleon sold Louisiana to the United States, if you read the document carefully, uh, you understand that Napoleon only sold the streets of New Orleans. <laughs> very, very slipshod work by Napoleon's attorneys. <laughs> to the United States. Or, or I guess smart. He was trying to keep his, um, he was trying to keep the, the non-street parts of Louisiana. Well, that is that would be kind of smart. He but, really outmaneuvered Jefferson on this. But unfortunately, they, did Jefferson get the sidewalks? No, those I the that uh, that land actually you know reverts to the native population. Oh, so Napoleon didn't do it right. Which is you know which is this uh, this Washita Nation, Washita Nation, and the Moorish Science Temple exist today, and both are active members of the sovereign citizen movement. And they employ a lot of, um, a lot of like adverse possession techniques. There's a sense that you know, uh, in a reading of the law, that by using hostile possession, they can kind of you know go into a building, claim it. This was a, a, a big feature in the mortgage situation in 2008 through present. Yeah. Where uh, you know structures that were foreclosed upon, they could break in, claim ownership of it as a form of re- uh, reparation, and you know using those then file suit uh, for ownership of the property again by using a convoluted, you know, the sort of pseudo legal documents in the style of David Wynn Miller, and and you know that there are versions of. Uh, Miller's language that aren't so focused on where the um, where the semicolons are. Mm-hmm. Like David Wynn Miller actually changed his name to colon David slash Wynn colon Miller. See, in most people, the colon comes at the end. <laughs> and by, by doing that, uh, he you know he established himself as a new legal entity. And there's a lot of that being used in the nuisance filings. So far, no one in in um, in Washita Nation has successfully taken ownership of a property. To what degree is this any, any kind of single movement? Like, I assume the white nationalist offshoots of this movement want nothing to do with the with the black Muslim offshoots of it, and vice versa, right? Well, there is no organized national leader, yeah, and it's all built around gurus and people who. Grifters. You know, at grifters and people now who have internet channels where they say, here's the secret. These are the documents you need to find. It's perfect for one weird trick internet culture. The internet has just showed us that people love to click on one weird trick. And what ends up happening is that although there's never been an instance where any of these techniques have produced a victory in court. That was my next question. There are a lot of instances where someone will get fined $20 for not having a license on their dog. And will file 60 different, uh, you know, like gibberish legal documents to the point that the state drops the charges. Yeah. Where they're just like, you know what, we don't, we can't even read what you're submitting. But, you know, there's, there are systems in place that are meant to enable citizens to file suit or file documents, right? And to make that. Some recourse. 
a, uh, a, a institutional process, but um, but it misused, you just get a, a situation where it's like, look, this is a fine under a hundred dollars for somebody driving without a you know a bicycle license, and those are then touted as success stories on the web and examples of how this technique actually, you know, no, no one has managed to get any money from the government from their secret account. But if you go online, there are tons and tons of explanatory videos of how, you know, your money, which was put into this account under your, under your birth name is actually, it actually belongs to you, even though it's fake and you can, you're entitled to this money if you just send the right combination of forms. Many cons in the past have been built on similar premises that, you know, you may already be a winner. Your ancestors had rights to this. People with your last name have rights to that legacy and so forth. And uh, yeah, lots of shady lawyers and dishonest non-lawyers have taken advantage. Another another thing that they do within the sovereign citizen world is not just file like nuisance legalese documents to get out of fines, but they actually then turn that into an, uh, into what's called paper terrorism an example, uh, uh, situations where they use these legal filings to actually attack judges, uh, by filing, uh, like spurious liens on their property. Apparently you can file a lien without needing to prove the validity of the charge that comes next yeah. and the lien once filed actually puts a, you know, puts a shadow over your ownership of property until it can be proved or disproved. Have you ever had a lien? Uh, no, I had a contractor come after another contractor at some point, you know, the guy that was doing our kitchen, the guy that was doing the plumbing in our kitchen came after the, or the guy that was in the countertops came after the kitchen, the main contractor. And as a result, somebody showed up at our door and said, there's a lien against your house. And this was, again, something I hadn't even heard of. I didn't know there was a little countertop war going on. Uh, and did I, it affect your credit rating for some period? Probably. Yeah. Uh, until their their individual spat was resolved. So the sovereign citizen movement learned that they could use these filings not just as, uh, as a defense, but as an offense. And, um, and a lot of members of the sovereign citizen movement world have been prosecuted for uh, filing spurious liens, for tax evasion. Uh, they often use like forged checks. So you can go after people that are doing some of these things, these nuisance There are a tactics. lot of sovereign citizens in jail uh, and often serving long sentences for intimidating their spouse uh, with, you know, spurious yeah, filings spouse, yeah. for... Um, for buying guns with forged checks. I mean, the, well, this, this does give them the kind of non-mainstream citizenship they want. If you're incarcerated, it's you, true. you are a little bit off the grid. You're a citizen of the jail. There are suggestions that there are up to 300,000 people who have, there are a hundred thousand people who are hardcore sovereign citizen devotees, Got but the hat. another couple hundred thousand that are kind of toying with, Using some of the techniques, toying with some of the ideas, um, the the uh, the Washita Nation actually runs a diploma mill university called the City University of Los Angeles. So, if anybody ever uh, 
you, you know, if you if, want your credentials, if you go into a, your psychologist's office and they have a diploma from the city university of Los Angeles, you can be maybe somewhat suspect of it. You can just yell all your, your, uh, responses to them in capital letters and they can't disagree. There have been a couple of major court findings that have, uh, dismissed the entire philosophy. Um, one in Alberta, Meads versus Meads, again, a divorce case. Yeah, I was about to say. Where the, where Meads, Meads won in, uh, in fighting Meads two submitted just an avalanche of documentation all written in in you know prepositional phrases with no with I'm not two consonants. Yes, consonants. that was the ex-husband. It was. No. And Justice John Rook uh wrote a big decision kind of uh a, a, that applied then across the whole commonwealth legal system saying there's you know none of this uh, this is all gibberish and and none of these uh contentions hold. I bet that totally stopped them. They were like, oh, wow. Shut them right down. I guess there's a legal precedent now by this non-authorized uh, judge. In Washington State in 2013, the district court um, issued a finding that when you read it is so dripping with sarcasm and contempt. Like it feels like it was written by a young uh, clerk because you just can't believe the at, for a legal document, yeah. it is it's written in very plain language, and it and it is it really ridicules the whole idea. Yeah, that's what we want more snarkier legal decisions. Snarky decisions, but and and I think most famously and most recently, the the Cliven Bundy mm. um, initially their their fight against the BLM in Nevada for having used BLM land to. Uh, to ranch without paying fees. And then their takeover of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge in Oregon. Was the basis that we're sovereign citizens and this is our wildlife refuge? That's right. Refuge? Sovereign citizens. They're, they're, BLM has no right to to lease this land because this is... Because the Napoleon only had got the streets. That's right. This is national... You know, this is land that belongs to all true organic citizens of the United States. Yeah. In most countries that this has spread to, it's also greeted with contempt. But in Australia, the freemen of the land, you may not be surprised to learn, um, actually have gotten a toehold. I assume these are not not an indigenous group? Some indigenous groups have allied themselves with the the idea. Uh Uh-huh. But no, there's a there's a political party called the Hanson Party in Australia that's actually come up in the omnibus before. I don't remember this. It's a wackadoodle conservative slash maybe not quite QAnon party, but but nativist and conspiracyist. Yeah, and and nationalist. And um, there's actually a man by the name of Malcolm Roberts who is in the Australian Senate and has been since the 2000. 15s. They're ahead of us by maybe a year or two. And he uh, he filed a lot of paperwork in the in the years in the run up to his campaign, written in David Wynn Miller syntax, but with maybe like some good days added. And- uh, yeah, and uh, you know, and of course, a shrimp. 
Right. A Barbie. Both of those are immutable nouns. Every sentence must begin with a shrimp and a Barbie. <laughs> For the Barbie with the shrimp. <laughs> and that concludes Sovereign Citizens. Entry 1194.1C0612. Certificate number 29113 in the omnibus. Now, obviously, none of this will apply to you as a sovereign citizen of Earth in your time. But uh, John and I were the old kind of American citizen. We were at Omnibus Project, at Ken Jennings, at John Roderick on various kinds of social media. You have the absolute right as a natural citizen to email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. We will only read it if it's in red type. And signed with your blood. Uh, please include your bloody fingerprint and make sure there's not a sentence with 14 syllables. We just laugh and laugh when, <laughs> we, when we see a, a miscounted 14-word no sentence. chance, fool. Um, no one can stop you from using uh, the post office. In fact, don't even put a stamp on it. They'll have to deliver things if you tell them, if you yell, sovereign citizen, sovereign citizen of the counter. Just say accepted for value, but do put a stamp on the document itself because that actually makes you a postmaster. Is that right? Yeah. Now that you're a postmaster, use your newfound power. Abuse your newfound power by sending us random things to Omnibus Project, P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. This came to the P.O. Box addressed only to me, John. So, um, oh, well, that seems to be happening a lot lately. I'm afraid you're out of luck. Uh, Paul sent us a copy of a book by his daughter, jo- Kate, and his son-in-law, Joe, called uh, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, it's a very that's a very easy Jeopardy response. And maybe that's why they wanted to send it to me. Oh. This son of God, <laughs> this only begotten son of the father, mm-hmm. it has, look, it has nice woodcut illustrations. Jesus is the deliverer. This is far, you know how there's like one good chick tract artist? Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. way above even his level. This is nice. This is nice woodcut stuff. What, what you find in the sovereign citizen movement is not a ton of appeal to Jesus. Interesting. Yeah, it's all based around English common law and misunder- mis- you know, misreadings of the Constitution. It's not really it's God. The, it's the same impulse, except it's, you know, admiralty um, court findings of the 1700s instead of the Book of Ezekiel. I mean, the fundamental belief of the founders of the movement that white people are the only true people and everyone else is a mud person— there's uh, some that, overlap with, there might be. with conservative religion. There, there might be. Um, well, thank you so much. First, I don't know why you thought that would be of interest to us at Omnibus, Paul. But uh, Well, to one of us at Omnibus. Well, thank you for sending it. So you do want it. Is that what you're saying? Well, who is Jesus? See, I, know, I thought you wouldn't know. See, you do need this book, John. <laughs> Between the two of us, I'm the one that, that knows who Jesus is less. Uh, you can also uh, find fellow uh, like-minded folks online by looking for the futurelings um on facebook and whatever please don't use all caps and weird semicolons and end dashes why would you not they why won't, would you not they won't like it yeah but if you don't of course then the state owns every word you write on there right right and by the state i mean meta <laughs> meta.com <laughs> um the best way to support the omnibus is via our patreon um, every time someone joins a Patreon, an account gets created in their name um, with a separate legal entity. True. Such that uh, the U.S. government cannot uh, 
has no uh, authority or jurisdiction over any of the contents or finances of Omnibus. True, although that was always true. Um, although I did get tax documents for our Patreon this year, so apparently that maybe <laughs> may not be true. Um, but you, if you enjoy the Omnibus and would uh, care to support its imp- the important work we do for the future, go to patreon.com slash Omnibus Project and see the amazing perks that await those who support the show financially. At the Famously, at the Washing Bear level, you can suggest a topic for a show, which is how we got to where we are today. Brian had a bunch of cool ideas. I kind of wanted to do the uh, Yellowstone zone of death, you know, the actual legal le- loophole that makes it very hard to convene a jury uh-huh. in the non-Wyoming parts of Yellowstone or something. <laughs> Although I think I did hear that's a pl- that's now a plot device on the Kevin Costner TV show Yellowstone, so now I'm a little less interested in it. Kevin Costner has a TV show? Where have you been, John? Not hanging out with the real Americans like I do, where we talk about uh, Yellowstone I'm and, not and on what Twitter, happened so on last week's Yellowstone. I don't know what is happening. Most watched cable TV show in America. Really? Yes. Oh. Is it good? Uh, I can't. I think it is, actually, in kind of a soapy way. I can't imagine that it's your thing. You're well, maybe watching it. Is. It. it has Kevin Costner and Sam Elliott. Oh, okay. and, and you're a, you're a, a what, a broad-chested Western man? Sure. You, that's what you want. Cow, um, cowpokes? I, uh, I, I'm watching that one, uh, The Lost Kingdom, Last Kingdom. Have you watched this? This seems like you're making it up. Nope. Last Kingdom, it's um, it's about... The uh, downfall of Uber. The downfall of Theranos. No, the downfall of it's, Venmo. It's about uh, the downfall of the uh, the Dana Law oh. uh, as it, it, it crashes against the the bow of Saxony, or I'm, I'm sorry, Anglo-Saxony. And uh, it's got, it's basically Game of Thrones, but without dragons. It's got a lot of right. sword fights and... It's all real. And, um, but all the good Northern Ireland actors are already on Game of Thrones, so this is like the B team. Yeah, it's pretty, it feels pretty darn real. You, you're pretty excited about uh, all the sword fights, lots of violence, lots of Danish people getting their heads cut off, but also cutting people's heads off. I, I recommend it. That's very exciting. Anyway, thank you, Brian, for suggesting uh, a show on Sovereign Citizens. John's eyes lit up. When he saw your suggestion. I did. I said, give me more sovereign citizens. Although I feel very much, Ken, like I, 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 I was stilted. I kind of, I, I, um, I like stiff legged walked through that episode because there was so much to talk about and I didn't want to get it wrong. Well, and it's it, impossible not to get it wrong because it's just it's wrong, wrong at its core. But well, yeah, if there's any omnibus topic in which stilted language is appropriate, Surely it's in uh, sovereign citizens parse communication syntax language. It is, but I but I just want to apologize to everybody who's used to our free flowing kind of you know like the way we chit chat. You didn't want to get the malicious Maddie. Yeah, because this I was understand. one where I was like, well, the thing is, I mean, I didn't both sides it, but I was like, <laughs> I just don't want. Yeah, anyway, thanks for listening. Futurelings from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. We wish you many goods and cheese and hope that you come see us often. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. If Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry. 
in the Opera.